Welcome to She's Ambitious AF, the bold and empowering podcast that turns up the volume on female entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive headfirst into the wild world of boss babes, where we spill the tea on all things ambition, success, and the occasional hilarious disaster. Get ready for a cocktail of motivation, laughter, and no-nonsense advice that will leave you feeling fierce, fired up, and ready to conquer the world. From juggling the highs and lows of running a business to navigating the maze of self-doubt and imposter syndrome, we're here to dish out the straight talk and remind you that being a kick-ass entrepreneur is no job for the faint of heart. So buckle up, grab your favorite power suit or fuzzy slippers, we don't judge, And let's show the world that when it comes to ambition, we're not just ambitious, we're fearlessly ambitious AF. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of She's Ambitious AF. I'm really excited to chat with today's guest, Adriana Garcia, in her second year of New Mexico State University's MBA program, where she is currently majoring in finance. Adriana is currently preparing for her first pitch competition taking place at the Aggie Shark Tank Pitch Competition. Adriana, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. I'm I'm very excited to have you on the show for a couple of reasons. One is that you're the first student I've had on the show, and I believe it's so important to start cultivating that entrepreneurial spirit early on. And two, you're prepping for a pitch competition. So I know you'll have great insight that some of our student listeners will benefit from if they're considering entering a competition. Definitely. Well, I'm excited to be the first student because this is my (laughs) first uh, journey into the entrepreneurial uh, route. So we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Well, with that, let's just dive right in. Um, I'd first love to get to know about your business idea. So tell us what you're pitching about. So I am pitching a smart wristband that could be sold at venues where alcohol is sold. Um, It would be a ledger drink tracker, and it would have a software that comes with it that estimates the blood alcohol content of the user for the bartenders or vendors at these events. So the idea is to, you know, mitigate alcohol-induced events, you know, at these at these venues. Wow. So the target audience would be would it the be the target there? audience? You know, I went back and forth with this, but I really feel like it has to be a big venue. So I'm looking at about venues with at least of a capacity of 10,000 right now. Okay. But I do think eventually it could be implemented in, you know, bars or clubs, things of that nature. Gotcha. Tell us a little bit about how the business idea came to you. So I love baseball. I'm like obsessed with the Red Sox and one of the pitchers, that used to play for the Red Sox. He now pitches for the Phillies. His name's Matt Strom. Maybe I'll get an angel investor out of, <laughs> out of this story. Um, <laughs> he was talking about how they some stadiums have extended alcohol sales. So I don't know if you're familiar with baseball at all, but this season they implemented a pitch clock and a couple other rules, and it sped up the speed of the game about half an hour. Well, that leads to less al- less alcohol sales. So previously they would cut 
fans off in the seventh inning and now they've extended it into the eighth. And he said, you know, if the game time's shorter, we should actually be cutting it off in the sixth because fans are leaving drunk. Mm-hmm. And um, that, yeah, that's kind of where the idea came from. So, oh, wow. Yeah, that that's interesting. The incentive can kind of be a double edged sword there. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's there's so many incidents of things happening at baseball stadiums in particular that, that mm-hmm. I'm familiar with. I'm sure other sports venues, concert venues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can all think of an idea or, you know, an instance where we've been and someone has been drunk um, mm-hmm. and, or, or it's it's maybe it's impacted our experience or we've seen someone at a concert or a festival get sick. Um, but I think we can all put ourselves in in that experience in those shoes. Yeah, for sure. And I like that you're weaving in the science and technology component of that because, you know, I've been, and even recently it was just at a, you know, a taco place nearby and you could see that the two individuals were really drunk and it's hard on the server side because you don't quite know an individual's limit. And so it's kind of hard to put all of the onus on the bartender, you know, to some degree you do, but um, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to manage. So I like that you're weaving in more of the um, scientific elements of intoxication and how to monitor that. Right. And there's so many different factors that make it, you know, very difficult for, for bartenders and and servers. Um, You know, we all, way differently we're different height Mm -hmm. different gender we metabolize alcohol differently you know Mm -hmm. how much food have we had to eat or the sugar even in our our beverages that that has a lot of impacts um it was interesting i actually got some feedback from someone that went to a winery and the same instance you know that person was concerned for other individuals present and was hoping that the winery would maybe call an uber a taxi for for that crowd but Mm. they, they really couldn't see that this person or individuals were intoxicated so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. then it's kind of subjective at that point too which doesn't make it any easier exactly and that's good i'm glad you said that word subjective because i just found out that the the new mexico supreme court changed the kind of the laws about the dram shop laws um lawsuits and instead of it being subjective you know, intoxication, it's actually objective now. So previously, if there was ever a dram shop case, you know, they would talk to just the bartender that served that one individual. Now it's, it has to be, it can be anybody that's interviewed, you know, other people that work there, uh, people that were there that night, the person that actually, you know, got drunk, and uh, even the police officers. So it's, Uh it's easier for bars and venues, especially in New Mexico now to be sued. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I, I was not aware of that. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear, you know, what, so you, so you were inspired by the problem to solve is what it sounds like. What made yeah. you think, Hey, I want to pursue this as a business idea and enter this pitch competition. <clears throat> Honestly, I took a, like a risk in a mitigation course last semester Mm -hmm. And one of our professors assigned this, um, this project to us. And he said, you know, the insurance industry relies on new ideas um, to, for, for risky situations. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of when I come up with this. And 
other students around me were were like, hey, this is this is a good idea. You should you should submit this to Aggie Shark Tank. And I got some emails from some teachers encouraging me. And I was like, well, I know I'm going to be very busy <laughs> with school and life and everything mm-hmm. else. But I thought, why not? What's the worst that could happen? You know, they say no yeah. or they don't like my idea. And now here I am. <laughs> wow. What um just to give other other students a sense, you know, if they are in school and considering entering a competition, how much time did it take to prep for that? The idea was easy. I went in and and I feel mm-hmm. like everyone really liked it. But mm-hmm. and I'm I'm fortunate that Studio G and Arrowhead have factored that in because they're working with students. They they try to have our meetings like a two hour block every Friday typically when people are in school. So mm-hmm. I do appreciate that um, from them. And then there's also like online learning tools that they've given us um, resources, you know, that would be, it's almost like taking another class is how I would describe it. So you have to make mm-hmm. time for it and, and fit that into your schedule. Okay. So what I'm hearing is it goes beyond just having a good idea. It's some investment to really get it stage ready. Yeah. And it's, a different process than I think I was, uh, than I initially thought it would be. Like usually uh, you have a product developed already and you just put it out there, but this is kind of the old way of doing things. Now it's really like, well, everybody has an idea. Does it make money? Is it good? Is it, you know, feasible? And so I really started from the idea side and now I'm kind of building my way up and it's, it's definitely a different process. Yeah. What um what what kind of market research have you done for this idea? So I've interviewed some local restaurants, bars, breweries, kind of gotten a different feel for that. Um, and also interviewed some of the users at, at some of these venues. So this summer I traveled and I actually went to several baseball games at different stadiums. And just kind of asked people and 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 uh, took their feedback from it. And something, some interesting things I got were, you know, people that said their concert experience was ruined because of, you know, an intoxicated individual, and maybe they wouldn't mind having a drink limit, um, something to the effect of the wristbands. And the other thing is that every time you go to to purchase a drink, you're having to pull out your ID. Um, there might be other, maybe you drop your wallet. You know, I saw that happen and someone was nice enough to return the wallet to that person. Oh, wow. But it's just little things like that where my hope is to couple a payment option to the wristband and, you know, how we do uh, just tap pay now. Mm-hmm. Something like that that just makes it easier. Yeah. But as far as the, uh, as far as like the blood alcohol content goes, I think it would be more for the server side the vendor side as opposed Mm -hmm. to letting the individuals know because there can be some stigmas with that as well so yeah most definitely well the next question I want to ask you is and I'll tell you why I'm asking it first Um, one of the hard things about being an entrepreneur is that your business is essentially your baby and Sometimes it can be hard to get feedback from others when they are pointing out flaws or they think it's a bad idea. And in a sense, they're calling your baby ugly. Have you encountered that yet by any of the, you know, any of your research or just even friends and family as you're telling them about the idea? So 
I've definitely had pushback and it's helped me think about the product in a, in a more effective way. You know, how can it be better? And I do appreciate that. You know, I think you have to take constructive criticism <laughs> and yeah. especially today I had my, my semi-final pitch today. I had two investors push back a little bit on it and really ask me, well, you know, where are your customers? Where's your revenue? And I had to emphasize you know, I need, <laughs> I needed some money to get started on all of this. Um, but a part of my, when I was explaining to them, well, this is the idea I have for, uh, you know, paying for it, mitigating some of the costs is because uh, I'm, I'm attending an, in an insurance conference at the end of the month. And my hope is to eventually couple it to that and, um, you know, maybe get discounts for, for facilities that decide to implement something like this. And they were like, you got to put that in a slide for sure. Yeah. So it's been a work in process, definitely. But I think um, if I can get the numbers, then I think the idea is there. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, is there any competition? Yes. So it's funny because we all had like a, a meeting room today. We were all being pulled back into our into our pitch and <laughs> I was like I've, I've already leveled all you guys up as far as <laughs> who I think my competition is um, there's only two females me and another another female and so you know I'm going up against a lot of a lot of males which I think might be dominant in in the entrepreneur in uh, industry I'm not too sure about that but it's definitely in this group so I'm like I have to be one of the girls that's in there and I can't be afraid you know I have mm -hmm. to be confident and project confidence and know that my idea is good. So yeah, a hundred percent. And I will say, yes, the idea has to be good and show, you know, potential for for rapid growth, but investors also look for the um the founder that they feel is worthy of investing in, someone who is inspiring. And um I think you I think you check a lot of boxes. So make sure you give yourself some credit there. Yeah, I think I have to get over like the nerves part <laughs> of mm -hmm. presenting. I was yeah. more nervous about the presentation than I was the follow up questions. I was once I got past the presentation, I was like, great, I'm calm. Let's let's go ask me whatever you want. Like I was ready for it. So it was ex it's 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 anxiety driven, but it's also exciting. So that's mm -hmm. how I would describe it. Yeah, I, I feel you. Are you um what what are your nerves like as you think about October 5th for the actual, you know, bigger audience pitch. Oh my gosh. I already asked the Arrowhead coordinator today. I was like, okay, tell me that we're going to go on stage a few days before so I can have an idea of at least what to expect <laughs> when I walk on stage, because I feel like if you just go out there and you can't see any, any people, it's all black down there, then like, mm -hmm. you know, you freak out. So as long as I can practice and rehearse and I think I'll be okay. So that's my goal right now. That's that's how I'm thinking right now. Yeah, I think that's smart. It's a a positive way to to approach that. Yeah, it's like anything else, you know, you have to practice it and get comfortable with it. So Yeah. One thing I learned is that my my old ideas of practicing in my early days of of running a business were I thought I had to memorize the presentation and one little thing would be a slip up and then I would just go blank. And it was the most awful, <laughs> awful experience ever. And then I just realized, no, I just need to really 
be aligned with the story I'm telling and um, not, not so prescriptive. Yeah, I feel that too, because I was working on like a speech and, you know, it helps to an extent having some bullet points, but you have to know it, know it well inside out. So, and just almost have a conversation about it. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious your background. So you're, you're majoring in, in business with the finance concentration. What, um, what made you dip your toe into this entrepreneurial side? Did you have family members who ran businesses or is this completely new territory for you? I would say for me, it's new territory. I, my brother also got his MBA. So I think I had it maybe in the back of my mind, but as far as my background goes, I was well along the the healthcare route into the field. And then a lot changed after COVID. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost felt stuck in my own personal life. And there was just so much going on. I think it was a hard time for everybody. And I was like, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. I can't be stressed. I can't be unhappy. Like, it's hard to make a change. But it's baby steps, really. So I, you know, that's kind of how this started. It was like, okay, let's take one class in the summer. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And even though I was resistant to it at first, I started to realize like, wow, I really love this. Maybe I just love school and love learning. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I was, I was like, this is something I could be excited about. And also I feel that the university and even the insurance industry, the the field that I'm trying to get in finance, it's a lot of support very helpful, like a guiding hand almost. I've had some really great mentors. And so I think for me also, it was about keeping busy. I had just gone through like a horrible breakup and I was so sad and it was like, I need to occupy my mind. So maybe that's also kind of what threw myself into it. Cause now I feel, you know, overloaded my schedule, but yeah, well, I'm glad you had a healthy thing to immerse yourself in. Some people get immersed in other things after bad breakups, but it sounds like you found a a very healthy outlet. Yeah. And I feel, I don't know. I'm just, I'm happy. I, I'm definitely in a better place. And, you know, I think that's, that can be inspiring to some people if they just need to try something new. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. Um, As we wrap, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to share any any bits of advice you would have to students, specifically female students who are thinking about entering entrepreneurship or even doing something like just pitching their business idea? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, I would say look at any resources you can. I know that Studio G is for the contestants that don't make it to the final round, they're going to help them with other startup programs. I wasn't even familiar that you know, startup programs existed in the Southwest area. And since I've been involved in this, I'm like, wow, there's so many people from this area, including yourself, that are willing to, you know, they really want to see New Mexico grow and and help the state of New Mexico. And I can I can appreciate that. So I would say you ha- you really have to put yourself out there. You have to get out there. You have to look into what's around. I think that was a big mistake in my undergrad was that I was so focused on getting straight A's and I didn't really take advantage of a lot of the opportunities and resources that my university had. And, you know, you can't be afraid to do that. You just have to, you have to do it because that's the only way you're going to grow and, you know, want those things. So I think that is 
probably the best advice I could give right now. Um, for females, it's, you know, it might be scary, I suppose, if you're going up against like a room full of guys, but it can also be empowering. You know, it can mm -hmm. be, wow, the only person here. And, you know, maybe you win, you know, the audience or maybe you win the entrepreneurs that way. You never know. But um, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's interesting. It's been an interesting journey. Well, I, I love your, your energy, your enthusiasm, and um, you're a perfect guest for She's Ambitious AF because you are. So thank, thank you. you very much for being on the show today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap on another episode of She's Ambitious AF. We hope you enjoyed this roller coaster ride of inspiration and insight into the world of female entrepreneurship. Remember, you've got what it takes to chase those dreams and slay those goals. Keep hustling, keep shining, and always remember that you're not alone on this journey. We're here to support each other, lift each other up, and celebrate every success along the way. So until next time, stay fierce, stay fabulous, and keep being the unstoppable force of ambition that you are. This is She's Ambitious AF, signing off with a final reminder. Dream big, hustle harder, and show the world that when it comes to success, we're not just ambitious, we're ambitious AF.